the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets. I'm your host, The Finance Ghost. I am Mohammed Nala of MoKnows.com. Mo is one of the most respected macro analysts to come out of South Africa. He is now in Canada, so we get his global perspective layered on top of emerging markets expertise. Together, we will unpack the biggest trends and issues and scratch beneath the surface to bring you our insights and share our love and passion for markets and investments. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to Magic Markets. This totally magical podcast is brought to you by a ghost and a dude called Mo, as well as Herenia Capital Advisors, a registered financial services provider, FSP number 47080. Herenia Capital Advisors is setting the new standard for stockbroking services. Herenia is by traders, for traders. Visit herenia.co.za to find out more. Welcome to episode 43 of Magic Markets. To be completely honest, this is the second take of this intro because our guest, Petri Redlin, has just would not stop clicking his mouse. This is the man who was fired from a construction site before becoming a successful trader. And I must be honest, we've now seen some of that behavior getting this man to just stop clicking his mouse while recording this podcast. So welcome to the second episode of Herenia September. And hopefully you've listened to last week's show so you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, then you should stop right now. Go back to last week. Listen to that show first. And then come and join us over here because last week Pietri spoke about the trading community he's built. He spoke about how important it is to trade as a team and to work together and to manage all the psychology around trading. And we asked our listeners to send us questions that you would like us to ask Pietri. And it's a great opportunity to engage with a real life professional trader, essentially. You know, that mythical beast that we only see on Instagram. And uh, speaking <laughs> of mythical beasts, there's one in front of me here. Mo, welcome as always. And Pietri, good to have you. Yeah, Ghost, always a pleasure co-hosting the show with you. I, I'm, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Pietri off the hook here, simply because we know he's clicking because he's a trader, and we're recording this while it's still technically U.S. trading hours. So, Pietri, I'm I'm gonna make that excuse on your behalf, as you probably had some very important trade to sort out, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna let that one slide. But we've gotta stay true to what we've committed to our audience, to our listeners, to our followers, which is not just scratching beneath the surface but also building that sense of community, of two-way flow. That's part of what makes Magic Markets what it is right now. It's not just about a monologue from us. It's about bringing interesting voices on the show. And this week, as you correctly say, with the hashtag Herenia September, we reached out to some of our followers on social media and said, you know, what are the questions, the most pressing questions that we can actually get Pietri to answer from his site? So slightly different format, folks, but I think it's going to be very interesting why don't we dive straight, straight in? I mean, Ghost, uh, let's first welcome Pietri. Pietri, is that excuse a fair one? Are you busy trading on the side while we're doing this interview? Uh, well, firstly, hello. Uh, and secondly, um, I don't know if anyone told you, but the faster you click, the more you make. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, the pursuit of happiness. The, the more phone calls you make, the more money you make. The more you click. I mean, you must have made a lot of money in those two minutes because the clicking was outrageous. I mean, we literally had to start I, again. I made more money in those two minutes than an Instagram trader did. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing, basically. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, it reminds me of what we touched on the show last week is that this conversation is really about 
cutting through the fluff. It's not about the Instagram trader and oh, click here and this is definitely going to be a money-making trade. It's about helping build people up into you know, better traders, better investors. And in fact, that's that's where I'd like to launch off. You know, some of the questions we got from the followers are, what are some of the most important qualities of a trader? I mean, Pietri, we know that Herenia is really a trading operation. So in your view, in your experience, you know, you, you spoke about this. You spoke about people working super hard, how this is like a full-time job, if not even more demanding. Uh, and so what are some of those qualities that make a great trader in your view? And how do people get over the hump? Because trading, like any business, for example, has a J-curve. I think we touched on it last week where you're going to ride through periods that are very difficult, where you're taking losses. How do you keep your mind aligned to that? What creates that grit and resilience of a great trader in your experience? Right, so that's a that's a great question and a, and a very difficult one to answer because I think that for a lot of people the answer is different, right? If I were to think about two things that that really sort of stand out, I would say it's probably tenacity, is one, right? Sometimes this market can beat you and beat you and beat you and beat you and to get up and and keep trying a bit like you know this is what I want to do. You know, I also think that there's a there's a fair amount of sort of I want to say self awareness and self control. Right, understanding yourself, why you make decisions that you do, um, and a fair amount of accountability in the sense that you have to accept that every outcome you get, and this is one of the beautiful things about the market because there's no escaping this one fact, which is every outcome you get is a direct result of a decision that you made. There's no one else to blame. There's no, oh, I was in this trade and then, oops, the Fed cut interest rates and oh, now I'm losing money. No, you didn't manage risk properly. Every result is a is a outcome of your choice, and that I think there's a certain amount of sort of accountability that comes with that, and that ability to say, well, look, this is my fault, right? And how do I fix it? And that's where the the tenacity and the um, persistence comes in. So you, know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be able to understand or do this stuff. You literally need to be willing to look at yourself and say, well, man, I made these decisions. Why? You know, I think one of the things I certainly struggled with in my own trading journey is is is, is some of that persistence, especially when it comes to aspects of, of discipline. And we, we can touch on that a little bit later on in terms of risk management. There are a couple of you know questions in that particular stream. But for me, discipline is also part and parcel of that grit of the staying power. Uh, it's often being very brutally honest with yourself, like you say. You know, I had a little journal on the side of my desk and every time I mess something up, like you say, it's a direct result of your own actions. I would write those down. And what ended up happening is over the series of a couple of months is I went back and I flicked through the notes and I realized that sometimes I was making the same mistake over and over again. And that's, it's valuable. It's the value of making those notes of learning so that you don't repeat the same mistakes. Because, you know, Einstein said, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome is the definition of insanity. And I think that discipline, that grit, that resilience comes through when you actually also document your own journey. Absolutely. I think you make a very good point. I think journaling is a very big part of building consistency because you do find you make the same mistake over and over and over until eventually you learn it. You keep bashing your head against the rock, right? And the only way for you to really be able to spot that is to journal, um, to write down your trades. And you can include things like, you know, what was my emotional state when I entered into this trade? I mean, it sounds crazy, but 
if you've had a bad day, if you've had a fight with your girlfriend or, you know, fall out with one of your parents or whatever the case, that changes the way that you that your brain works for the rest of the day, right? So you have to be cognizant of, you know, mental state when making decisions, but also under similar circumstances, I make similar decisions. So how do I avoid those circumstances? Or when I see this setup, every time I trade it, you know, I make money on it. So maybe I should trade it a bit bigger. Every time I trade this particular setup, I think it's a winner and I lose money every time. Maybe I should just avoid trading that setup, right? Um, so journaling is a very important part. Absolutely. Pietri, part of that journey as well is that, like we said, you know, there's, there's a J curve. There's a period where you actually take those losses. How, how do you think traders can stay motivated even after suffering that loss? You know, I think that's so important because you see so many people, you mentioned it last week, where you come in, your success rate is so small in terms of people that stick with this. How do you think traders stay motivated suffering through that loss, not just the initial losses, but also the fact that markets do toss you around and that those losses will come up every now and then? What, what would be your learnings and your advice to a trader in terms of building some resilience in that respect? All right, so there's a, there's a couple of things I think that you could do there. One, you can accept the loss before you take it, right? Or predetermine your risk before entering a trade. If this goes wrong, I stop out at this point, I will lose 500 bucks. If it goes completely wrong, I will lose a thousand rand, you know, as, as, as an example. So pre-accepting the cost of doing business. In order to see what the market is going to going to do next, I have to pay the market 500 bucks. So I'm paying 500 rand to see what happens next. If something happens that goes against me, it costs me 500 bucks to see what happens next. If something it works, if it's something it works, you know, one to three, one to two risk reward ratio, I make some money. Uh, that's one sort of thing that you can do. Uh, and the other is if you've had, you know, a series of losing days or a big loss, take a few days off, man. Clear your head, go do something else. Also have something else that you're passionate about outside of markets. Have a different hobby, have something that clears your mind, that takes 100% of your focus that's outside of, of this world just so that you have something else to focus on. But I think after taking a big loss or a series of losses, take a week off. You know, the market will be there when you get back. It's not going anywhere. It's been around for 200 years. It's going to be around for another 200, I can assure you. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting answer. Thank you. I mean, Mo, I thought Einstein once said that Tesla share price was a definition of insanity, but it must have been a different different Einstein, clearly. Uh, you know, although it still continues to Elon be insane. Stein. Yeah, Elon, Elon, Elon Stein, Stein and, 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 and Kathy Woodenstein. Uh, so, <laughs> Piaget, technicals versus fundamentals. I mean, that's, the, that's one of the biggest debates around, right? So, you know, there are two types of Twitter accounts. There are the ones that draw the pretty charts and there's wedges and there's support lines. And, you know, then there's some really fancy stuff and retracement levels and even Fibonacci, which sounds like an Italian opera if you don't know what you're looking at. It's all very magical. And then there's the boring guys like me who write, you know, threads of, lame stuff like what's happening with margins and free cash flows and all that kind of stuff. But reality is I think they work together. And one of the questions we got was, which I think is a really interesting angle on this, which one should beginners focus on learning first, I suppose? Because I think it's important to learn both long-term if you mm -hmm. can, but which one should a beginner focus on in your view? I think it's quite an interesting question. All right, so there's three disciplines, I think. There's the micro environment which is studying the companies themselves and there's the macro environment which is obviously all the macroeconomic data and that kind of stuff and then there's technical analysis so good exercise to do for example uh, is to do you know like a project on some of the companies that you want to trade so 
you know, there's a, there's, there are enough resources on the internet to learn technical analysis. And if you really want to learn technical analysis, like for real, for real, go and find out which books are in the Chartered Market Technician course material. And you buy those books and you read those. They are mind-blowingly detailed because a lot of that f- technical analysis stuff is actually based on statistical analysis over large sample sizes, huge amounts of data. Technical analysis is nice, obviously, to understand how candles work, what that tells us about price action and and market mood and that kind of thing, the long-term patterns and all this type of stuff is very helpful to help us identify opportunities. But they don't tell us what to buy. So what I think is important to do, particularly for new traders, and and look, it depends on which type of trader you want to be. If you want to be a day trader, you know, pick five stocks, trade only those five stocks and study those companies, you know, read five or 10 years worth of annual reports and all the financial statements, understand the business. And then you know, you know, if something changes here, how does that impact the rest of the thing? How will the market rating change on it? And all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, if you want to day trade, you also need to learn to read uh, price action, order flow. So uh, reading the tape, as they say. And you can have a little bit of technical analysis knowledge in there. So you're more fundamental, more price action, a little bit of technical if you're like a day trader, right? If you're more of a swing trader where you're taking CFD or equity positions that last, you know, a couple of days to a couple of weeks, you could do pure technicals if that's what you what you want to do, right? If you're more of a position trader, then you want to be more in the macro and micro sort of environment where you're looking at the bigger themes in the market and then trying to find the companies that are going to benefit from that. And then the charts matter a whole lot less, right? So it's difficult to say what the one thing is that you have to study or work on when you're starting out. I think uh, it's a very difficult question to answer, but I would imagine that it would be, um, you know, intermarket analysis or whatever the case is. That's a very good book to read, by the way. It's called Intermarket Analysis. It kind of teaches you how a lot of things fit together. So I think the most important thing to do is to understand the environment, right? And to pick your instrument type. If you want to trade Forex, then study companies. But if you want to study companies, does it really matter what the euro dollar is doing? Well, I mean, Mo will tell you absolutely yes down the line, and I do agree with him, but not for the very beginner, right? Yeah, I think, Piotr, I mean, that's that's an excellent answer in that, you know, it's it's a series of building blocks. It's not just about knowing your niche. It's It's about knowing yourself, first and foremost. I think the most important point you made there for me was what type of trader are you going to be? Are you going to be a swing trader, position trader, intraday trader? Uh, they all come with different skill sets. And at the end of the day, the more time you spend in the markets, you also build up your own skill set. Uh, and eventually you trade multiple asset classes and multiple strategies in multiple portfolios. But I think to address the question directly, the first step there, and this is where you know, a partner like Herenia, I'm guessing, becomes quite instrumental, is... As people contact you, they join your community, part and parcel of that exploration process that you guys work through with your clients is helping them to also understand, based on their risk profile and what they want to achieve, where their focus would best be placed. Uh, and I'm guessing that's I'm guessing that's a fair comment. Uh, yeah. So a uh, real life example, client, very hard worker, was very focused on, on day trading, you know, sort of started off as a swing CFD trader, found some success, had a bunch of subscription services that helped him identify opportunities and that kind of stuff. And some of them are really good. Hey? I'm not shooting down uh, trade signal providers. There are some that are really worth it. Uh, and there are some that are really not, right? So you've got to 
I guess, test a few out and see which ones really work. But in any case, so then he sort of came to us. He, you know, put it, we put him on an intraday trading account. He was really keen, really working. Uh, and even though over a space of a, a number of years, he started to show better and better results, he, he found that, you know, after some time, he, the results on his swing trading accounts was much better than the results in his intraday account. And in that process, you, you know, you learn like, okay, you know, my personality is actually more of a swing trader because I think what happens is a lot of people want to come into the market and everybody wants to be a day trader. Everybody wants to sit there. And this is, uh, I guess, like a work ethic thing, right? We're taught, you've got to work hard for money. You've got to do this. So that's why day trading is alluring because it's stressful. You're sitting, it's exciting. It's this, is that. But a lot of the time, you know, the, the easier money, quote unquote, is made by being more patient. It depends completely on your personality. I mean, unfortunately, one of the only ways that you're really going to learn in this market is with real money, right? You've got to lose money in order to learn. I know it sounds terrible, but if you don't burn your fingers, you don't ever learn not to touch the hot plate, right? So try a couple of different styles out. See, you know, I want to see in day trade, give yourself a week and a, you know, five grand loss, max loss budget for that week and try and hit the button as many times as you can and see if it works for you. You see, if it drives you insane, if it does, then you know, okay, well, that's not going to work, right? Um, then, you know, if you're trying a longer term time frame trading and you say, okay, cool, I'll give myself four weeks to do swing trading and I will only take three trades a week and you limit how much you're, you're allowed to trade. Um, so that ensures a couple of things. One, I'm only taking the best possible setups uh, because I don't want to pay that opportunity cost of, of losing other things. And then you get to, uh, you know, you get to explore with it a bunch of different sort of ways. And then you can sort of find out, okay, well, what suits my personality best? And that's the key, I think, is to find what works for you. So saying, you know, earlier I say, decide what instrument you want to trade and then focus on that or what, you know, asset class you want to trade and focus on that. But that's difficult to tell right at the beginning because it's like, well, you know what, what, what motorbike do you like? You know, there's cruisers, there's Harleys, there's this, there's superbikes, scramblers, da, da, da. You've got to ride a bunch of them and fall off a few of them before you really know, right? The best way to learn that is to give yourself a small amount of budget as a max loss to, you know, as a stop loss over a period of days and experiment. We, we've spoken about paying your proverbial school fees, if you want to call it that. But it, it, it also, I mean, you've touched on a number of points, which, which are quite important because I want to get to a risk management kind of theme. And, you know, I am cognizant of time, but now you've discussed position sizing. You've discussed a risk budget in terms of as you go through the learning process, as you go through your learning exercise. But how do you then suggest, you know, traders mitigate their risk? Okay, so this is a very long answer. And I, I think what you guys learned last week is that I talk a lot, right? So I'll try and keep it, I'll try and keep it short. There's three basic ways of thinking about this. One, predetermine your risk before entering the trade. So if you have a hundred bucks, and you're willing to lose five rand every time you get something wrong, then calculate your position size based on where your stop loss is and what your max loss is per opportunity that you take, what the price is you pay the market to see what happens next, right? Provided you don't take too many trades simultaneously, uh, you should never really be in a position where you can take a big loss altogether, right? So what happens a lot of the time is people apply the 2% rule and they take 20 trades and the market turns and then they 40% down and they go, wow, my risk management didn't work. So that is a lesson I've learned a few times. Uh, the other way to do it is to look at a gross exposure uh, rule, right? So the way that I'm doing sort of most of the CFD trading and stuff that I do now is say, for example, uh, let, okay, let's use sort of a big number. Just say 100,000 Rand account, right? I'm willing to take 12,500 Rand exposure per individual position that I take. 
So sometimes now this changes things because if my stop loss is sometimes 500 bucks, sometimes a thousand rand, sometimes 2000 rand, uh, you know, my target is sometimes a thousand or 4,000 or whatever the case is. So that is a bit variable. But what I'm doing is I'm ensuring that my gearing on my account never goes over the amount of money that I have. So if I'm sitting at maximum gearing, I'll be like two or three times geared as an absolute max. But then I would try to reduce that gearing by having a few short positions in as well uh, to bring down the net gearing. The gross gearing will go up, but the net gearing will sort of stay sort of maximum around two times on capital. And I'm only using, you know, 20 to 30 percent of the cash in the account. And the rest is free is free margin. So that's sort of really been what's been working for me on the CFD side over the last couple of years. The best way is to look at where's the market in relation to its all time high and how much gearing am I willing to take in relation to that? The further the market falls, the more I'll gear uh, because the higher probability that, that we bounce. Right. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much the best risk management thing for me. I think what happens a lot and this is why I was giving so much stick to the to these OTC Forex 500 to one leverage, you know, registered in Cyprus. I don't want to use any more adjectives, but, um, you know, those types of instruments are incredibly risky because you maybe have, you know, a small amount of money in your account. Say you've got, you know, five or 10,000 Rand and you suddenly take a $40,000 uh, <laughs> contract. You know, that's massive, right? With, compared to the amount of money you have. So keeping a handle on exposure and it's not, I'm using, I've got a hundred grand, I'm using 50 grand of margin. No, I'm using five grand of margin for 50 grand exposure. That's how you got to start thinking. Think in terms of nominal exposure rather than in terms of, well, I've got, you know, 50% of the cash left in my portfolio. Let me put it on some other geared bet, right? Um, so predetermining risk is one and ensuring that you don't have crazy exposure, right? So one of the downfalls of the 2% rule is that position size is calculated on distance to stop loss sometimes your gearing can get six or seven times on capital and you don't realize it because you think you're only taking a small portion of risk and then the wheels fall off i think i think that win loss ratio is is so important is a lot of people you know especially when you start out trading novice traders aren't cognizant of the fact that in any setup you enter make sure that the odds are stacked in your favor so be cognizant of the win loss you know in terms of what your expected outcome is from the trade but the other thing as well is is the very important point you mentioned was the leverage. I mean, interesting story here. When I first started trading out here is that, you know, I didn't realize that instead of trading the e-mini future on the S&P, I went and traded a full S&P future. And hey, presto, your, your, your gearing is, yeah. is massive because it's such a large contract. And then I very quickly panicked when I looked at my, 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 my margin utilization and crossed the double and exited the trade, thankfully, without much of a loss. And, 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 and those, I guess, some of the real lived lessons that only come through in terms of paying the real school fees, in terms of, you know, when you hit the button and there's real money behind it, it's actually... It's quite visceral. I've described it as visceral before, and I think people need to go into this understanding that it's visceral and that their risk management needs to try and calm down the nerves uh, and counterbalance some of that 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 uh, that uh, emotion. Um, cognizant of time, Ghost, I know you've got a list of stuff that, that you, we still want to get through to do justice to some of our followers and, and listeners. I don't know if you want to maybe take Pietri through the last couple of streams before we wrap the show. The reason Mo is so cognizant of time is because he's wearing one of those Instagram trading watches. So on the video call, I can almost see his face, but I can mainly just see his watch. And occasionally I just see this like brown bald head like ducking and diving behind his watch. And then I know he's there. I think, I think the difference with Mo is though that that's a, 
one is probably a real watch, right? It is like it's a real one. It's not fake. Two, that's hard work that got that watch. <laughs> it's not flossing the outside of the rented car. You know, it's like actual skill. <laughs> So what we're going to do is we're going to kick some of these questions out, I think, to the following week because some of them are really, really good. And we want to give you an opportunity to answer them properly. And it means that people can send us more questions, having now heard uh, what we've talked about this week. So the last question for you on this fine Tuesday night, and it's a fun one, and it's a bit of an adaptation of a question we received. But, uh, you know, Baby Ghost is now almost 18 months old. I suppose he's Toddler Ghost now. I've just taught him how to make car sounds on demand, so I'm very proud of myself. And uh, he's a little bit young to understand what you do. But if you, you know, were stuck in an elevator and you, or, you know, you're fetching someone from preschool and you needed to explain your job to a five-year-old in just a few words, what would you say? I try to look at the world around me and I try to understand what motivates people to do certain things. And then when I get an understanding for what drives people's behavior, I try to take advantage of that by buying or selling something that people might want to buy in future. Up until the buying and selling point, you could have been that kid's preschool teacher. And that's, that's the only <laughs> difference. That's also taking advantage of behavior. I know this because Mrs. Ghost is a teacher, although not preschool. Chaps, I think that's it for this week. Second episode of Herenia September. I'm certainly learning a talent on the way and we're having a lot of fun. And I hope that's coming through to our listeners and that they're enjoying it as well. Send through your questions for next week. You have a real opportunity here to ask your questions to a proper trader. And it's a brilliant opportunity. It'd be a shame if you don't take it. And remember to visit Herenia's website. You'll find all the details alongside this podcast. Go check it out. If you want to get into trading, if you want a team environment, that community is a really great place to be. Mo, we'll do this again next week. Pietri? Pietri, really great. And look forward to having you on and uh, taking this discussion a lot further and uh, unpacking and scratching beneath the surface. Guys, it's Magic Markets. Remember, go and give us a great rating and spread the love, share the news. This totally magical podcast is brought to you by a ghost and a dude called Mo, as well as Herenia Capital Advisors, a registered financial services provider, FSP number 47080. Herenia Capital Advisors is setting the new standard for stockbroking services. Herenia is by traders, for traders. Visit herenia.co.za to find out more. Remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.